0: Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of 2 Timothy. Today is episode 704, and we're looking at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 to 26. Let's read the passage. Now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also those of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable So, if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument, set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. But reject foolish and ignorant disputes, because you know that they breed quarrels. The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach and patient. Instructing his opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Then they may come to the senses and escape the trap of the devil who's taken them captive to do his will. This is Paul's second letter to Timothy that we have. His first letter was three or four years ago, and he had left Timothy in Ephesus to deal with some problems there. Well, Timothy's still in Ephesus, and he's still dealing with the problems. And now it seems like the problems are even worse. We saw last time one of the men that Paul mentions that he had thrown out of the church in Ephesus was still causing trouble, claiming that the resurrection had already happened. And with Paul now in prison in Rome as a criminal awaiting execution, it seems that many people have become, in Paul's terms, ashamed of Paul and his chains, ashamed even of the gospel. So people are distancing themselves from him. And he's urging Timothy not to. He's continuing here, and verse 20 says, Now in a large house there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also those of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. Now the metaphor here is, A rich person's house, a large house, where he has a lot of nice things. And he says there's these gold and silver vessels, but also wood and clay. Some think it's an analogy to the temple, but it just doesn't make sense. He's just making an analogy about what's good and valuable and that which isn't. And there's a distinction between the two. Now here he's talking about gold and silver, wood and clay think about our households you might have a piece of fine china and a plastic bucket which are you going to use to serve food to your guests and which you're going to use to wash the car you're going to use the plastic bucket the dishonorable thing for washing the car and you're going to use the fine china to serve guests and and that's what he's referring to here you got some nice things and you got some not so nice things you're going to use the nice things for nice events and the not-so-nice things for not-so-nice events. His point here is that there's valuable things and things that aren't so valuable. And the point here is, how does God view us? as valuable things to be used in a valuable way or not-so-valuable things that really aren't much use? And that expands on that, verse 21. So, if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument, set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. The point here is anyone, not just the select few, anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable. What's he talking about here? Well, he's been talking about those that are leading the church astray, those that have been engaged in false teaching. And being careful to stay away from them. And if you've been somewhat polluted by them, get correction. If you've been led astray and you've been dabbling in some false doctrine, get your doctrine straight. Get back on track. That's what he's talking about, purifying yourself. And then you are now a special instrument, like the golden several, a valuable thing. Set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. So if you've been polluted by the false teachers, get corrected. Then you can be used by God to do good things. It's, uh, he's using some figurative language here, but the message is, is fairly straightforward. If you've been polluted by the false teachers, get unpolluted, get purified. Then God will use you. Set apart, it's a key word here. Being separated from that, which brings about impurity. He was talking about that last time, about stay away from these bad things. Because bad teaching spe- spreads like gangrene. Stay away from it. Avoid it. Don't get involved in it. Don't get caught up in that stuff. So, you'll be set apart. Now, set apart, separation... It's something we see often in the Bible. The Israelites were to be set apart from other nations around them. It was to remain pure. They didn't get corrupted by the nations around them. And Christians are told to be set apart from the world at large. Now, what does it mean to be set apart? It doesn't mean to live in a little bubble and have no interaction with the world. It means to not be corrupted. So, to be careful about your interactions. Yeah, we're to interact with the world. We're to be in the world, but not of the world. Meaning, we're to be in the world, influencing the world. Not to be in the world, being influenced by the world. And so here, being set apart would be set apart for good stuff. To be in the influence. Verse 22 says... Flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Well, what does he mean by youthful passions? I think he refers to how youth often pursue things rashly, without a lot of thought, and just jump into things. And so that's what he's really talking about. Is He's not talking about anything specifically sexual in nature, but uh, just rash jumping into things, youthful passions. Instead, don't do that. Instead, pursue righteousness. Well, what's pursuing righteousness look like? Pursuing God, trying to live a life that reflects God's word, faith, love, and peace. And he says, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So the people who call on the Lord with a pure heart, would be those who are doing those things. So his thing is don't get caught up in the youthful passion. Instead, you know, the people who call on the Lord with a pure heart, they pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Do that instead. And verse 23, but reject foolish and ignorant disputes because you know that they breed quarrels. This sounds very much like what he said last time. He repeated it again because it's a big deal. Don't get caught up in the tactics of the false teachers who want to be in these endless debates about things proclaim the word of god Proclaim it to be true and don't get caught up in the little nitpicky arguments that they want to get caught up in don't do it because that's just quarreling and quarreling is not a good thing so even quarreling with these false teachers a quar- yes even quarreling with the false teachers proclaim the truth And if these false teachers are part of the church and will not repent, then he says you may need to reject them from the church, but don't get caught up in these quarrels. It's a similar thing in verse 24. The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach and patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. The Lord's servant. That was a description of Moses in the Old Testament. Paul used that description on himself in his letter to Titus. So he's using the words here for Timothy now as somebody who's serving the Lord, representing the Lord, and proclaiming the Lord's word. Don't get caught up in quarrels, but be gentle to everyone, even the opponents. He must be able to teach and be patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Sometimes that's hard to do, particularly when people are being obstructed, people are opposing sound teaching to do it with gentleness? Well, yeah, with gentleness. And he says, perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to knowledge of the truth. Then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil, who's taken them captive to do his will. This brings up the idea that this is a spiritual endeavor and there are spiritual forces at play. And as we think about the opponents, maybe a little differently here. They're not just opponents, people, flesh and blood, but they're spiritual forces at play here. And they are in the trap of the devil, being taken captive by the devil to do the will of the devil. And the hope is that God will step in and grant them repentance. And by that, they can be freed from this trap of the devil that they are in. So sometimes we need to remind ourselves that we're dealing with spiritual realities. Paul said in his letter to the Ephesians, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the principalities, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. That's our true struggle, is against spiritual forces, and God's the one at work. So he says, as far as you go, Timothy, be gentle with your opponents, and maybe God will step in and free them from the spiritual bondage that they're in. Does that mean that everybody who's disagreeable with us is under spiritual demonic influence? No, some people are just being difficult because it's their nature, but still we need to be gentle. As we deal with these people, even gently uh, call them to repentance. And if they're still acting up, then we need to gently continue to call them to repentance. And maybe God will step in and bring them to repentance. So, Paul's message to Timothy here is again to stay clear of getting caught up in the tactics of the false teachers. He doesn't say to avoid the false teachers, he says to instruct them but with gentleness and to be patient. And that's hard, but as he said, you have been equipped by God for this task. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Second Timothy.